0: Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. This week we say farewell to the Cassini Space Probe and find out about some amazing space weather. Now, the distance between Earth and the Moon is covered with what we call the Van Allen Belts, which are belts of radiation long thought be deadly to any crude missions that travel through it, but we navigated through them and we study them now with some fantastic new probes, plus we find out about Cassini's long and grand finale. On Friday, September 15th, 2017, the space probe Cassini will begin its final descent into Saturn's atmosphere. Now back in April we covered what was the beginning of the long goodbye of Cassini, 22 deep dives through the ring systems of Saturn as it went closer and closer to its inexorable demise in the atmosphere of Saturn. But we'll take a moment now to pause and reflect on some of the great things Cassini has done and what it will be doing in its final moments up to its disintegration on the 15th. Now, Cassini itself was launched as a partnership between NASA and the European Space Agency and the Italian Space Agency in October 1997. And Cassini was not alone, it carried the huygens space probe on it, which was a lander, or a probe that it dropped into the atmosphere of Saturn. And it arrived in, at Saturn in 2004, so a pretty long journey to get all the way from Earth to Saturn, and a lot has changed since 1997, 20 years ago when it was first launched. Now, Hugens landed on Titan, Saturn's largest moon, in 2005, and it pulled off the first ever landing on a a planet in the outer solar system, which is pretty exciting. And the mission of Cassini has been extended not once, but twice over that 20-year period since its initial launch, as we continue to do more and more science with it. It's detected everything from lakes and seas of liquid hydrocarbons on Titan to amazing volcanic life and material blasting out of the south pole of the icy moon of Enceladus. We've even been able to determine that the stuff coming out of these volcanoes is an, coming from an ocean that may be capable of supporting life, raising Encleatus's likelihood of a mission in the future. Between Titan and Enceladus, Saturn has proved a hotbed of research activity and Cassini has been essential to that. We've also learned a lot about the rings of Saturn, learning that maybe they're younger than we first thought, not 4.6 billion years old like the age of Saturn, but perhaps younger, caused by the breakup of a smaller moon in its orbit around Saturn. But NASA has to crash Cassini, and not for out of a desire for a large explosion or a climactic Viking-style farewell, but because to preserve any potential life that may be on any of these moons of Saturn, They've made the decision to actually careen it into the orbit of Saturn and into the atmosphere, where it will burn up like a meteor, thus disintegrating it and preventing any contamination of these planets from an Earth-bound probe, which is incredibly important and just goes to show the lengths NASA is going to preserve and conserve any potential sources of life out there in the universe. It will make for a grand finale and a grand farewell of Cassini and put a cap on a spectacular mission what it will do in this, this final phase is actually dive closer and closer into the rings, which is what it's been doing over the last 22 cycles. It's been diving between the ring of Saturn and the actual atmosphere of Saturn. And slowly but surely, that distance to the atmosphere of Saturn has been getting less and less. And these have been some pretty intense and spectacular dives, which have yielded some pretty amazing photos. Now, before it gets into this final dive of the atmosphere. It will say goodbye to Titan on September 12th. It will give it a last flyby, a goodbye kiss. It will graze the atmosphere of the planet. And Titan is pretty much important for the Cassini mission because it's been one of the most analysed parts of the probe, and it's where it left the Hugens probe. On the 15th though, it will dive past Encleatus, the sixth largest moon of Saturn, all the way into the atmosphere of Saturn itself. On the way down, it will get a really nice shot of the bizarre hexagon the interesting swirl of gas and clouds at Saturn's south pole, which form an interesting hexagonal shape, which is another piece of discovery that Cassini has helped with. But as it goes past all of these, it will be diving deeper and deeper into the atmosphere. And the, while it's doing that, it will still be conducting fantastic science. It will be measuring and analysing the atmospheric content, getting an understanding of the pressures, the makeup what ratios are of the different chemicals in the atmosphere and how it works, giving us a detailed look into the structure of Saturn from inside that structure, which we have never yet actually done, which is pretty phenomenal. And all that data will be beamed back to Earth just before it breaks up like a meteorite in the sky. So Cassini has done a lot of great work, and the scientists running Cassini over the 20-year-long mission from NASA and the European Space Agency have been working tirelessly almost some people's entire career to ensure that that mission is a success. And it's a testament to their hard work and their endeavors that this mission has been so successful. Cassini was a mission first thought about in the early 90s, realized and launched in 97, and finally coming to an end now in 2017. It goes to show just how long-term space missions are and how much planning goes into these uncrewed missions that we send out into the outer solar systems and how long-lasting their research and benefits can be. So farewell Cassini and may your final dive into Saturn be a glorious one. Encircling the Earth is these waves and regions of magnetic energy we call the magnetosphere. The Earth has some, as does Jupiter, the Sun, and any other object that's got magnetic energy or coming from a core or other means. And these magnetospheres do a lot of great things for us. They shield us from interstellar radiation. They blanket us. They provide guidance for satellites. They also trap high-energy particles. And radiation in what we call the Van Allen radiation belts. But among other things, these ma- magnetosphere belts also make space a noisy place. That is to say, they capture all these electrons and particles and they make a high-frequency hiss, different types of hissing noises, and you can actually listen to the sound of Jupiter or the Sun if you want to, and it's basically different types of hissing noises, and it's quite fascinating. But a new paper published in the Journal of Geophysical Research, led by David Malaspina from the Laboratory of Atmospheric and Space Sciences at Boulder, Colorado, have been studying these impact of the magnetosphere and the Van Allen belts and what roles these rolling electromagnetic waves and fields around our planet have for taking out charged and radiated particles from the Van Allen belts and pushing them out and clearing them out of our system and giving us a more detailed understanding of the intricate mechanisms of our magnetosphere. So we'll start with a bit of an introduction to what these Van Allen belts are. Back in 1958, Christian Berkland, Karlsseldürmer, Nicholas Christophilus, under the direction of James Van Allen at the University of Iowa, used test results from Explorer 1, Explorer 3, to prove that, okay, radiation belts, these weird radiation belts existed around the Earth. And then subsequent missions like Explorer 4, Pioneer 3 and Luna gave us a lot of data to map this trapped radiation around the Earth. And what's basically happening in is the Earth is surrounded by the magnetosphere, these magnetic lines, but they collect and aggregate all kinds of stellar particles, whether that be solar radiation, leftovers from solar flares, or exotic particles, cosmic rays, and collect them in these bands, these belts, like a couple of donut rings around the Earth's centre area. And we call these the outer belt and the inner belt. They're collections of all these particles that are trapped from spreading anywhere else by the powerful magnetic fields of the earth and these exist around not just earth but other planets as well and they're about 200 to 1,000 kilometers above the earth's surface and they don't go any further than about eight earth planet radius away which is pretty typical across all the other planets uh, in the solar system these are pretty fascinating because they make these large radiation-filled regions, the inner radiation belt and the outer radiation belt. And all these regions are trapped full of all kinds of particles from the solar wind and the cosmic rays, and they just hang out there. And when we mapped these in the early space missions, we were very, very worried because we thought perhaps these large seas of large amounts of concentrated radiation would be damaging to astronauts trying to cross them. And in fact, when we had the NASA missions to the moon, the Apollo missions, it was a very strong area of concern. A lot of shielding was added and a path that was chosen that minimised the time in the Van Allen belts. Fortunately, the actual amount of radiation that the astronauts were exposed to was quite minimal, actually less than the standard recommended safe dosage level for a human on Earth. So it turned out to be not a bigger concern as we worried about, but it was still something we were interested in. That's for humans. But for satellites and other Earth-orbiting objects that use complicated electronics with sophisticated pieces of circuitry where any small changes in levels or impacts from radiation could throw them all out, things like GPS satellites, they can be destabilised by all this radiation. In fact, these can cause satellite malfunctions and crashes that even might affect your phone's navigation system here on Earth. So we try to map and understand the behaviour of these Van Allen radiation belts because they can have implications for life here on Earth. Now, these Van Allen belts are also quite protective. As I mentioned before, they trap winds coming in from the sun. The solar flares as they bombard against our magnetosphere, a lot of the energy and a lot of the particles and radiation are trapped there in these vanillin belts, leaving us here on Earth safely protected from them. And that also causes the beautiful aurora that we see, and the remnants of those aurora are sort of trapped and kept bound inside these vanillin belts. And sometimes we can even end up with a third belt, which is what we observed in 2013. For a brief period about four weeks, we ended up with another little band of radiation trapped here on Earth, and a third donut ring around the Earth, but it didn't last very long, because after about four weeks, another big solar flare shock wave from the Sun propagated all the way out here to Earth, and bombarded against our magnetosphere. And that impact, though not really something that we can feel here on Earth, caused a lot of destabilization in our atmosphere, which we just saw as pretty colorful lights, like aurora. But what that did was it destabilised this temporary little third ring that had developed and then it cascaded away. So the Van Allen belts are an interesting part of our Earth and other planets, or stars for that matter, behaviour. And we need to study them in great detail, which is why NASA has the Van Allen probes for doing just that. Now, the Van Allen belts aren't just like a static sea of radiation. They're actually a rolling waves of plasmapheric hiss which are fascinating, and you can listen to that kind of noise if you wanted to. And what you're listening to here is actually sound recorded by NASA's storm probes and edited by Dr. Tony Phillips from NASA, which actually show the electromagnetic interference in plasma waves in our radiation belts. And we call these uh, basically a chorus, which is the official type of scientific name for it. But it's basically these sounds of the radio waves oscillating at frequencies between 0 and 10 kHz and picked up by the magnetic search coils antennas on the probes themselves. But those rolling unpredictable waves can cause all kinds of havoc for satellites and telecommunication systems. So we need to understand them in more detail. Particularly, particular, they're hiss waves at lower frequencies that can be propagating out across these systems. And what researchers, led by David Malaspina, have actually discovered is that, well, these low-frequency hiss waves are actually doing a functional job, or end up doing a functional job, because they clear out the high-energy particles, which can be damaging to satellites, out of the vanillin belts. They kind of just brush them away and push them out of these van allen belts keeping our satellites safe from these high energy and dangerous particles that would otherwise lurk in the van allen belts so this is one of the interesting parts about space weather it's not just a static system like the earth's weather system it's constantly changing there are different seas of electro and magnetic fields interacting and changing pushing particles from one way to the next much the way the same way that we have clouds and weather systems here on earth and these constantly changing electromagnetic fields interacting with incoming new solar flares and particles bombarding us, creating waves in these plasma bands. And these waves cause a hiss. And all of this sort of comes together to form what looks like otherwise smooth bands of radiation, but when you get down into detail of it, it can be quite chaotic. So if we want to predict good space weather and keep our satellites safe from harm, we really need to be on top and understand the complex intricacies of our magnetosphere. And that's what some researchers from the Laboratory of Atmospheric and Space Physics at Boulder, Colorado, together with researchers from NASA's Goddard Space Flight Centre, have been doing to make sure that we understand all this space weather and can help keep things down here on Earth, like GPS and phone calls, working in proper order. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. This week you we found out about Cassini's last, final dive into Saturn's atmosphere, and found out about some space weather in the Van Allen belts between Earth and the Moon. This week's space science special. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.